Curtain going up. Places, please. Overture, stand by. Ladies and gentlemen, she comes to you from the cornfields of Indiana. She loves the Constitution more than she likes most people. Allow me to introduce Shouse in the House. It is not every day that you get to do an episode with your brother from another mother, but I did get that opportunity with Joel. Uh, We discussed what it is to start your own business, to go into the industry of firearms instruction, um, some of the nuances that are involved right now with the current legislation and the current administration and the movements that we see moving forward. It was a really fun episode. I'm super excited that I got the chance to talk to him and I'm looking forward to future episodes with him. Thank you guys so much. Here he is. Hey, Joel. Hey, Heather. How's it going? Good. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Yay. Okay. I'm so sorry I'm running so late. I tried like crazy to get out of there, and it was like I took a whole bunch of games for a bunch of kids, and I was getting pieces, (laughs) and I'm like, I'm going to be late. (laughs) It's like when you're waiting for your parents to finish up at church, and two hours later, you're still in the parking lot? Yes. You know, like, uh-huh. it's, I don't know if it's something you become conditioned with as you're an adult, like the act of saying goodbye to somebody or like, okay, bye. And then you get back into a conversation and you're like, okay, no, I'm really going to go this time. But you don't actually right. ever leave. <laughs> I, I'm, um, I'm 30. I still haven't hit that spot yet. Oh, yeah. I keep forgetting how much younger you are than I am. So <laughs> I just walk off. It's like, <laughs> see ya. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> and I wonder too, from a generational perspective, if that will ever hit your generation. I feel like you guys are always going to be like, "Okay, I'm done with you, bye." It's entirely oh. possible. <laughs> okay, so I have been kind of racking my brain about what direction or how I want to approach this conversation with you. So first. I want you to tell the audience um, who you are, what your like, what your company name is, and I'll just tell them about you a little bit first, and then I'll start asking you some questions because I want to talk about how you got involved, the process that it's taken for you to actually get your company off the ground, that kind of stuff. So go ahead and tell everybody who you are and, and who you're representing. Sure. My name is Joel Mason. Um, I'm a father and husband in eastern Iowa. 30 years old. I've got a three-year-old daughter. Um, I've been in Iowa for about half of my life. And, and the first daughter half, is I the most up... adorable thing on the planet, just so everybody knows. Oh, I know it. I know it. She takes after her mama that way. <laughs> um, I grew up in Southern California in Orange County, right near Disneyland. Um, not in the not in the fancy, you know, house. I have six mm-hmm. brothers. And my dad did oh not always have Oh, my God, you work. had six brothers? Mm-hmm. I did not know this about you. Okay, keep going. Yeah, there's there's seven of us boys. My mom's a saint and slightly insane. <laughs> She's a great woman, but yeah. How, how where do you fall in the range of the boys? So I'm third from the top. Wow, I have so two older brothers and four like, younger brothers. Holy bananas! Mm-hmm. Okay, keep going. I'm so sorry. No, you're good. Um, so we moved to Iowa in '05. I want to say. I, okay. I don't know. My brain is all kind of melted from the, you know. Post, post-traumatic stuff and also drugs, lots of drugs. Right. Um, so I don't remember things real well. I have trouble okay. with faces and names in particular. But yeah, um, so I kind of got back into guns and things after leaving the, the military. I was in the Iowa Guard for six years and got a medical discharge. Um, but 
got back into guns and gear and stuff a few years back, but I didn't really go nuts on it. You know, I got my, my carry gun and I got a decent holster that was inherited with the, the light I was given and didn't really get into it. But then, you know, was hanging out with the Boogaloo boys over on the book face and <laughs> people kept in, ending up coming back to me for information on you know which plates are best and which plate carrier will work and what, uh, what holster do I need and all of these things. And I, I actually made quite a few friends locally, even through that. And one of them told me I should, I should do this professionally. You should be the guy that people ask questions to. Right. And I said, great. So as a joke, I went and looked at, uh, local training. You know, mm-hmm. what, what can I do to become an instructor of some sort? I knew I didn't want to go to the NRA because I don't care for that. Right. Um, and so I, I oh, wait, ended up finding... you any further. I want you to explain sure. why you don't care for them because I think a lot of people conceptually in their mind, when they think about like two A support, it's instantly just from brand recognition they think of the NRI. But oh, you explain... look at you look at any any shooting in the news, and you go to the comment section on Facebook or Twitter, and all you see is the NRA is killing our kids and things like that. Right. The answer is the NRA helped you guys put in all the legislation for the last sixty years. Right. They've been writing legislation for 60 years as compromises. They've been negotiating, but they don't negotiate anything for the Second Amendment other than we get to keep whatever else is left. Right. So taking um, it away from us. So they started in the early 60s, I believe. And essentially, as soon as the Black Panthers were marching with and carry rifles and things in, I want to say, California, they started pushing amendments. Uh, right. built bills and legislation to outlaw open carry for, in particular, the scary black men who are on the Capitol steps or whatever. Right, because God uh, forbid they, all Americans have guns. We just need the, the dumb white rednecks in the middle of nowhere to have them. We can't have everyone else have them. No, rules for thee and not for me. Right. And so if you had enough money, you could get away with doing tax stamps and owning the things that other people couldn't, which – you know, back in 1934, when they started the uh, National Firearms Act, $200 was—I mean—that was a size, a sizable amount of money. Sure, yeah. So putting $200 towards it in order to be able to own a certain kind of weapon was prohibitive. But what's funny is that all it prohibited was—and this has been a trend for you know all of history—all it prohibited was the people who couldn't afford that. But you know who could afford it was the people they were trying to stop by putting it through. Right. Like the the uh, anti-prohibitionists and Al Capone's gang and all the people using street sweepers and and uh, Tommy guns to to gun down people in the street. They don't care. They have way too much money. They right. get two hundred dollars for a tax stamp. They don't give a shit. Yeah. So what what it came down to was the NRA has just been helping helping the government along in their endeavor to disarm America. Right. And I was not willing to put my money even into the training division, much less, you know, a membership or something like that. So sure, I, yeah. I won't become an NRA instructor, even if it makes it easier for me. Right. So I looked into alternatives, and the best one I found was the United States Concealed Carry Association, okay. which is USCCA. Fortunately, they do a great training program, and at the time, I was told I could certify for permits in my state of Iowa. So I went and took the training. It was actually over in North Des Moines and Johnston, um, where my younger brother works as a gunsmith. He's a master gunsmith. 
and he works at the store they were going to hold the class at. So I was like, that's perfect. I'll just stay with him overnight and do that. Yeah. And then um, the class filled up. It was right at the beginning of, well, kind of in the middle of COVID, but it was uh, July of 2020. So, you know, only a few months in, people weren't going nuts. There was like two people wearing masks in the room, you know, normal stuff. But the room got, uh, there was there was too many applicants that wanted to certify. I mean, people came from both coasts and north and south and everywhere. Right. to come get certified. And uh, so they moved it to a local hotel, and we just did the shooting portion at the gun store. But it was kind of cool. We are like, yeah, yeah. My, my brother, you know, worked on that gun. I know what he did, all those things. So that went through, and I got my certification as a concealed carry and home defense fundamentals instructor, which is good. Um, I don't necessarily agree with everything that's in the, the curriculum, but that's the case with everybody there. I mean, there's things I don't love about other instructors' instruction. Things I disagree with uh, with them on. So, what are some of those normal. things? Like, what are some things in the program that you wouldn't advise, or or that you so don't agree things with? In the program, if you're unaware, the Defensive Shooting Fundamentals Program, which is also part of USCCA's informational kind of knowledge base, mm-hmm. was developed by Rob Pinkus. <laughs> he had help, you know, he wasn't just his his doing, but right. and it is a good program. It focuses on what's going to happen to a very untrained person if, you know, they they realize they're being attacked. Right. People do this and it's it's been shown on dash cam videos from a decade-long study by the uh was it the National Crime Council or something. But they did dash cam videos and you know cops for many years trained on the uh the weaver stance where the right arm, well, your strong arm is straight out, your elbow's locked out, and the right. other arm is kind of at a at a angle at underneath. An angle. Yeah. It's bent. And they shoot sideways. And the idea is you minimize how wide you are to the to the person shooting at you. So you're mm-hmm. less of a target. If they hit it goes through more of you, but if they miss, which is more likely because you're smaller, it's good. But they trained that way for decades and then in dash cam videos that's not how they dealt with things yeah. coming out of the, the car they were stopping or whatever happened to be the case. They were always facing directly at the target, you know, shoulders straight abreast at them. So an isosceles kind of stance and they were ducking down a bit and then leaning forward, leaning in to either hit or be hit, essentially. It's the natural fighting stance. If I walk right. up to you and say, hey, like, give me give me a boxer's stance. You kind of, you put one foot backwards a little bit yeah, and you lean your upper body forward and your hands come up. Like, that's I, I tell new shooters, like, okay, give me a boxing stance, and then I literally put a gun in their hands. The only thing that moves is their hand. Right. That's how I start people out. And so he did develop some good things. He's not a bad instructor entirely. They're just things I disagree with him on. Um, right. A lot of the your your safety bubble information um, relies on the, the Tuller drill, which was developed decades ago. And Tuller was a very smart guy, but that wasn't, you know, a scientific study that was more – an experiment to show that you, you can have a person far away and still get hit with a knife before before you can get a gun out and fire. Right. But the answer is not that you get hit with a knife and fall over dead. That's not how it works. But also, anybody with a knife is not going to run up from 21 feet away and hit you with it. They're going to walk up right. and, and then stab you when they're an inch away. So there's there's lots of flaws in just about every system. I mean, every system can be picked apart. At, at well, let's bring back. Let's come back to that real quick, just because sure, absolutely we've had a few police shootings over the course of the last I don't know, probably two years that have gotten a lot of attention because the perpetrator had a knife in their hands and they're charging after the officers, 
And I'm using this not to bring, quote unquote, the state into the conversation, but I'm using this as a even in defense situations where you have somebody who has a knife and they're coming after you and you have a gun. A lot of people are like, why did you have to shoot him? You could have just made him put the put the knife down. A lot of people don't understand that it doesn't work that way. No, tasers are very ineffective, statistically speaking. Like, if I hit you with a taser, sure, yeah, you're you're probably going to fall over. It is likely that it will have an effect on you. Right. It is, it is not many standard deviations away from the mean that you won't have, you know, a, 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 no, no reaction. It's perfectly normal to hit a guy with a taser and have next to no reaction from him. You know, you might get some contraction where they where they hit, but what if he's wearing a thick leather jacket? Congratulations, your taser is worthless. Right. So you pull out your pepper spray because you still really don't want to hurt this guy. So you pull yeah. out your pepper spray and you hit him with it. This guy's been in and out of prison for decades, you know? Yeah. And so he's been hit with pepper spray more times than anybody you've ever met. And so that pepper spray literally means nothing to him. You just, you basically splashed water on his face. So right. now you've really pissed him off a little bit because his eyes are starting to tingle. And you kind of tickled him in the chest when those probes didn't go all the way through the jacket. Congratulations. Now you have a really pissed off guy who's got his attention fully on you. And now you have to get your gun out. Right. The answer is those things are good options for your average everyday. But if things are escalating really hard, really fast, it has to be dealt with in a certain way, whether it's a cop shooting that guy or, you know, an armed citizen. Right. I carry okay. pepper spray, but if I carry, you know, if I have to pull out pepper spray and use it on someone, my gun is going to be in my hand before right. I'm done. Because what if it doesn't work? <laughs> yeah. Well, and then there was that video of that man. I don't know if you, do you follow Warpath Actual? I do. Um, did you see that video that he posted yesterday of that younger gentleman and his sister that were in the parking lot and that man came after him with that baton? Uh, yeah, he had the extendable ass. Yeah, and he he yeah. said one of the questions that was posed was, is this considered a situation where lethal force could be used? Yeah, is and, this a lethal situation? Is my life in danger? Yeah. And I mean, like, the, those batons are made of metal. They're not plastic, you know, expandable, inflatable balloons. Yeah, and I mean, the man looked at him and said, do you want me to fucking kill you? And and is like... Well, and then raised it. And and then raised it, yeah. So I'm like, uh, you draw on, do you want me to fucking kill you? You yeet on (laughs) the drawback with that fucking thing. The answer is, it should have been dealt with long before the video started, because when the video started, he was all of two feet from the bumper. He wasn't wasn't even advancing. He was already there. So that guy... You know, you see somebody start walking across the little lane of the parking lot from one side of the cars to the other, and you see them go quick. And because to get one of those out, you can't just kind of like aim it at the ground. You have to you have to really risk flick it. So you you see it and you go, oh, that guy just opened a baton, even if you can't see the baton. And uh, you hear it. It's loud. It's a lot of metal parts. They're very simple devices. They don't have like sound dampeners in them. They're very noisy when they when they go off. And so you you flick it out. You hear that. And you look around, there's a guy running towards you. Yeah. Just get in your car and go. Hit him with yeah. it. I don't care what you do. Just don't stick around. Yeah. Because if you let him get close, you won't have time to get your gun out. Yeah. You're right. So I have no idea what happened prior to the start of the video. And there's a lot of here and there. And what, right. what you have done to prevent it. situations. I'm just thinking like. And when I, yeah. right. When I viewed that video, my answer was, okay, forget all of the stuff that came before that could have been better. 
irrelevant because it's not in the video and I can't see what he did to critique that, like, you know, critique on it. The answer is this guy is now two, three feet from me and he's got an extended asp and he's right. yelling at me, pointing with one hand and he's got the asp down in his other hand. At this point, am I going to shoot him? No, but I'm definitely going to draw yep. at least out, if not point it at him. Yep. And I'm going to be backing up. I'm not going to stick there. I'm going to get the other people. And unless they're in the car and I need to then defend that castle, I'm, I'm not going to stick around. Um, if they're in that castle and he's got a baton, chances are I'm going to be a little more aggressive um, mm-hmm. as soon as his hand starts to come up. You know, that's that's one of those, quote, wrong moves that the cops, you know, you're, you're when the cops have you at gunpoint, you're not supposed to make a wrong move. It's never he grabbed his gun. It's always he started to grab his gun, which means right. his arm moved. You're right. And that's that's the exact same scenario. Like, if, if his hand had started to come up because he had, like, a muscle twitch or something, a little one, you know, he went up two inches, great. That guy's starting to draw back for a swing. I'm going to shoot him. Right. And you would have been justified. Depends on how pissed off the DA is that day. <laughs> which is a problem in and of itself. You can have what is you can have what is to the majority of people a justified shoot. And if the DA is pissed off because he didn't get to prosecute this other guy or, you know, that guy got off free and he's just having a bad day or his wife didn't kiss him good- goodbye the-, the right way that morning, he's, he's angry, he's going to find someone to take it out on because his job is to punish people. And if you're already going to punish people, you-, you might as well just go a little harder and really get that excess energy out. That just tends to be a trend. Um, we saw that so. very clearly with Kyle Rittenhouse. Mm-hmm. So, okay, keep going. I'm so sorry. I, I totally you sidetracked did. you and interrupted you. But. No, that's all right. So I, we got started with the um, how, how I got into training and such. So when I got my certification, I realized the only way for me to advertise myself is basically to do it on my personal Facebook page. Mm-hmm. Because at this point, I don't have a company yet. I'm just right. a trained instructor. The only website I have is my profile page at, you know, the USCCA website. How many people go through the profile pages of instructors at USCCA.com, you know? Right. There aren't anybody. No, nobody does. The instructors do. (laughs) Right. (laughs) It's not even, it's not even a social media. It's not like I can leave a comment on someone's page. That's not how it works. It's just a description of their certifications and their reviews. That's it. Right. So I went ahead and uh, looked into you know, what's it, what's it going to take for me to open a company? And and by this point, I'd already done a, a, a class of, of uh, students. The guy who got me into it had some, some friends and some family who needed a class. So I did a class of, I think, eight people, seven people, and just a, a permit carry class. And I was very nervous. My blood was flying through my body. <laughs> and I got through it in four hours and 12 minutes or something, you know right over the four-hour mark, which is what I was aiming for. So it was good. Gave them all certificates. And anyway, then I get into how do I market myself to be able to make money off this so I can at least make the money back that I spent on the, the certification course because I need to pay right. class. I need to pay my family account back. And I realized that it's fairly cheap to start a business, at least in Iowa. Um, you pay, you know, this fee for incorporating. You pay this fee for a you know, a fake name, so you don't have to type LLC at the end of literally everything. Right. It, I have a fictional name for my company. It's Libertas Instruction, but the main company name is Libertas Instruction LLC. Right. <laughs> I literally, yeah, I paid like a $20 fee to get that. Because it's, it's cheap and it makes it easier to market. Um, then I looked into branding. You know, I went and got a logo done up by a really cool Swedish kid. 
and, uh, you know, paid him 90 bucks. And for several weeks, he worked on everything and anything I could have wanted. Super good guy. Yeah. yeah, he spoke better English than most people I know in, you know, America. Um, he was, he was great. I talked to him on the phone. I texted him. We, we've had lots of back and forth. He was very good. He took what I drew out on a napkin in a Mexican restaurant before my meal came. I drew that out. I sent it to him. And a few days later, he had a mock-up of just this beautiful seven spikes of Liberty, just like the, the <laughs> Statue of Liberty has on her crown. Right. And this torch that I had, that I had done almost no detail and it was all wonky looking. It was just, it was beautiful. He did so well on it. So I got yeah. that all sorted. And then I started a Facebook page and I started, you know, a, a, an Instagram. And then two days later, my personal Facebook page, after 18 years of having it, got zucked. Gone. Wow. So now I have a business page with nobody to run it. So the business still exists because it's separate. But nobody to run it. So we had to report it to get it taken down. And then I, I had a, a buddy take over and, and build a new one for me with the logo and things that I provided for him. And I went to Twitter because... So wait a minute. Hold on. Yet, Let me back this up real quick. So yeah. your personal page got zapped mm-hmm. for what was the justification? So they didn't ha- they didn't give me one. I never heard back from a real person. Um, the only thing that had ever been reported in those almost two decades of me having that account was a holster I was trying to sell via the marketplace. And mm-hmm. they don't allow you to sell guns or gun parts. And in my opinion, it's not a gun part. It right. literally cannot do anything because the holster it's not even there's nothing regulated about it right. and so i was trying to sell it and i felt i think the last one either pissed them off or it was just different enough that they were i was trying to hide the fact that i was selling a holster so right. I, I took the pictures on there that's fine i'll put the pictures up slightly edited so they're different from before but i listed it as a rehoming and i described it as if it was an animal like a kitten it, it was a tier one concealed uh. access elite or aegis elite holster set that I couldn't really use and it was set up for my P10C with the TLR7 like who has that combo right. I, I do I have that combo so <laughs> it took a while to sell and I kept relisting it and trying to get people interested and then that last one they, they kept getting eventually getting um, flagged by the algorithm because nobody that I know was going to flag it obviously didn't get flagged quickly sure but so then I get this notification and about an hour later my my you know my account gets locked out and I tried the appeals and I tried all of the things and I tried messaging support at facebook.com and nothing worked and nobody ever got back to me. I checked a month ago actually and it's still locked. With so no it's funny that you say that. So I have had a few videos because <clears throat> I have my personal page that is completely untied and unaffiliated to my shop in the house page. And I've had quite a few videos on my Shafts in the House page that have been flagged for one reason or the other, because let's be honest, it's not like I'm putting wholesome content out there all the time. But um, one of the videos was, do you remember that video that went viral of all of the violence and stuff that was being perpetrated by the left? Um, But the video starts with Nancy Pelosi talking about the wrap-up smear. Did you ever see that? I don't know that I did. I may have. (laughs) Well, it got flagged for COVID misinformation. So it had nothing to do with COVID. There was no COVID conversation in it. There was nothing. And the 
so they blocked the video from being able to be shared or viewed. But what was interesting is the message that I got was we've flagged this because of our fact checkers, blah, blah, blah. And then it said, because of COVID, we have no one to review your response. So even if you send us anything and dispute this, we're not going to do anything about it. And it's kind of like, I feel like that should, especially from the business side of things, I feel like that should be illegal. Like, if you didn't violate anything on the business side, you should still have the ability to manage your own account. I would, I, it depends on your definitions of what makes, what constitutes a public space and all that. There's a lot of gray area that with that is particularly with the internet. Like, is Twitter or Facebook a private company? Uh, it's publicly traded. No. It receives, you know, government subsidies and all these things. I'm, I lean more towards anarchy myself. I, I did vote for the libertarian candidate in the last election, but uh, I realized that it, even if it's a reduced state, because I'm assuming your your audience knows the difference between the, the two. Um, even I'm, if it's a reduced state, I'm still imposing that on someone by voting for anybody. Right. So what I'm imposing it on other anarchists if it were to go through and work. Sure. So, you know, I am technically violating the NAP, and that was, that was my big thing for a while, the NAP, and I just don't give a shit anymore. Right. Well, <laughs> so I, that's, that was one of the questions that I had written down to talk to you about. So I keep, I mean, obviously, we know anybody who's been paying even a teeny tiny bit of attention, we know that they're coming after our guns. They're coming after our ability to defend ourselves because 100%. They have they're protected. fucking tyrannous, and they want to take over the goddamn country. So... Like, we're just going to be real about that. But the question is, do you feel I, – I feel like because the Second Amendment is so very clearly written, there's nothing questionable about why it was written. If you've read the Federalist Papers, there's there's no question that the Founding Fathers wanted the American citizens to be able to defend themselves against their government. That's it. That's period. And right. – so there's, there's 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 not a lot of context inside the amendment itself, but right. all of the stuff surrounding the Constitution and the Bill of Rights and all of these things, the, all of the amendments, there's plenty of context in the writings of the Founding Fathers. All right. of them, almost all of them wrote paper upon paper upon journal upon book of why this is important and that it matters to be able to threaten your government with non-existence in order to keep them in line. Right. the other way around. Yes. And eventually so, people stopped reading these things and they realized, or they did, they failed to realize, I should say, that, that we should hold them in check. We are the final check and balance. Right. The people are, or they're, we're supposed to be. So do you feel like, just from an observational perspective, because I watch, I watch all, it's like a giant chessboard to me. Like I'm watching the pieces as they're moving and the actions that they're taking they're not going to directly attack guns or yeah. our right to carry them. They're going to go after ancillary areas, ammunition. No, it'll be a matter of your home is an unsafe place and your child mentioned you have a gun in your home. So Red flag, yeah. We're going to keep him at this school until Child Protective Services comes by. And they're going to come after your family. They're going to come after your job. They're going to come after your kids. You know, They're going to go after your ability to own a home. They're going to go after your credit. All of these things are related to government in one way or another. Some some string is attached. 
Do you and they're think not going to they're not going to likely show up at your house unless you do something really inflammatory where they're like, well, we should probably remove him. They're not going to show up at your house with you know with guns and stack up on your door and take it. Right. It's going to be a matter of you'll you'll willingly give it up because otherwise we're going to make your life a living hell until miserable. You die. Yeah. So do you think as a newcomer in this industry of of teaching people to arm themselves and defend themselves, do you think that your industry, like, have you seen any new legislation, any rules, any mandates coming down to try to restrict your ability to do that? No, but I learned about ones I didn't know existed. So talk to me about those. From- so a big thing for me was that because I didn't join the NRA Instructor Corps, um, I was I'm unable to teach certification classes for permits in Iowa. Um, nobody will take no sheriff will take my you know certificate that I give a student, printed out official, it's got the seal, it's got my signature on it, it's got the date they took the course and passed, it's got their name, it's got my name, it's got everything about my company, et cetera. It's all perfectly good, and for years they were accepted in Iowa, but they didn't fit the Iowa Code definition, which is you have to be an NRA instructor or you have to run a hunter safety course, which has been approved by the Department of Natural Resources, so the DNR, one of the conservation officers, with a pistol addendum, you know, pistol safety addendum, or you have to be a law enforcement-sponsored training event. Those, Those are the three things that are in the Iowa Code that qualify to teach. So how do you, how are you going to alleviate that? How are you going to comply with those or one of those? Um, so I stopped, I stopped teaching permit classes. It was enough of a headache because it is dealing with the, it's essentially bureaucracy. admitting I, I have to deal with the bureaucracy in order to get these students permits. Right. I don't think permits should exist in the first place, but <laughs> they want permits because they don't want to break the law. I don't want them to break the law and get in trouble. Right, so I'm sure. going to do what I have to do to try and help them along in their endeavor. Sure. So what I did was to go to, um, as I knew her, Major Ernst. I used to drive for her in the National Guard. Uh, she's now a state senator at the federal level for Iowa. So Joni right. Ernst is uh, okay. used to be a major when I knew her 10 years ago, 11, 12 maybe, um, in the National Guard. And then she became a, a lieutenant colonel uh, before she retired. But... She recognized me from when I used to drive for her. Obviously, I've gained a bit of weight and a bit of size since then, but <laughs> I'm the same fiery person that I was back then. Right. Very opinionated. And um, I happened to catch her the day before I was going to teach another class. It wasn't actually to give certificates. I did give them, but that's not that all of the students in that class, all four of them, knew that they would need to go online and take the cheapo $40, 40-minute sorry, $30, 40-minute class from the NRA. Because it doesn't matter if it's a good course. What matters is it's the NRA. Right. And so they went. They all went and did that, and they paid the extra $100 to have me come in and talk for a long while. And they learned significantly more from me than they did from their previous, because they, they had let their permits lapse. So I was helping them to get new permits, but they wanted my instruction because they knew who I was and that I would do it well. And they said, we learned so much more than what we learned in the last four-hour indoor class. Right. And then they went online and got the cheapo certificate printed out and went and got the permits. Called it good. So it cost more for them, but they were they were willing to say it was worth it. Right. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I, I put pressure on uh, Senator Ernst, and who else happened to be there was uh, Dan Zimbach of 
one of the internal Iowa sections. He's a House representative or maybe the state senator inside the Iowa Senate. I can't okay. remember which. Um, so Dan Zubuck's a really good guy. He actually put me in charge of a guy really high up at the Iowa Troopers and tried to get me some information and help and put some pressure on, as well as my local representative to the House of Representatives at the federal level, Ashley Henson, who my, my parents apparently know pretty well. So she, she, she knew me primarily because I was harassing her Facebook campaign before she was elected. Um, I wasn't a big fan of Republican toe, you know, line towers. <laughs> she wasn't coming with any change. She just wanted to be the next Republican lady in office. Right, sure. Um, so yeah, I did all that and, uh, I wasn't really getting anywhere with marketing myself. So I decided to start a company. I, I named it Libertas Instruction. I didn't want tactical or tactics or all, all the super cringy names. Fancy, stuff. trendy names. Right? Yeah, no, I wanted something that sounded a bit cordial almost. So I, right. wanted, I knew I wanted something in like Latin or French and something something that would kind of fit. And what what better than liberty, you know? Of course. So Libertas Instruction was what I went with. And I got, you know. I got, I got a good re- feedback on that on my personal Facebook. This was before I got zucked. So I did all the things I had to do for Iowa and started a business and then got removed from Facebook. So I went to Twitter because, obviously, there's nowhere else to go. Right. So I went to Twitter and found out Twitter's actually not that bad. And uh, I'm, I, I kind of liked it better than I ever did Facebook. I kind of wish I'd fallen in sooner. <laughs> it's so funny because I always make this joke that, and of course, I hope nobody from real life listens to this (laughs) but I always make a joke that my friends on Facebook are my friends in real life my friends on Twitter are the people who I wish I was friends with in real life (laughs) I'll be your friend Heather you just live really far apart I know we don't though I'm in Indiana we're not we're really not that far away from each other really I've got a buddy my 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 I hate this term battle buddy from uh my OSIT which is the infantry basic training in AIT he was uh, he was from Kokomo, so a couple of times. That's after really he got close done to me. With, Kokomo is only about yeah, an I, hour and a half, two hours away. I drove out to Kokomo. He ended up going to IU, so I went to Kokomo one time and stayed for the weekend, and then drove back all in one day, which ten hours in the car is a lot. That is a and lot. It was a sports car, so it was not a comfortable grand touring car or anything like that. It was my little nine forty four, but it was fun. We picked up <laughs> some chicks and put them in those tiny ass little back seats. It was a good time. Um, this was all pre-marriage. Pre-wife, right? Like, yeah. I mean, this was <laughs> 12 years ago, so a long way. Um, and then I went back and another time that he was at IU, and we got, you know, into a, a lot of trouble. Very, very, lots of lots of drinking. So it was a good time. He was with his frat brothers, and I was with my brother, and he was, he was a good guy. Good. But, yeah, no, it, it was All the good people come in from Indiana, Indiana Joel. Don't you know that? I don't know. I'm not from Indiana. Oh, I see your point. Oh, that's funny. So you've gotten, so you've officially started your business. Are you going to be doing indoor training only? Or are you going to be doing outdoor too? What are you going to, like? I don't do hardly any indoor training because in eastern Iowa, there are no indoor ranges except for one. And it's at a gun store. And to teach in that indoor range, you have to work for that gun store. No that's shit. That's the case with most, that's the case with a most, almost all indoor ranges. Um, huh. Yeah, no, my, my brother's uh, gun range. They said they wouldn't have me out for training unless I was an employee of there. I said, 
like, I'd love to move that way. I have to convince my wife first is the problem. Right. All her family lives around here, so she doesn't want to move two hours west. But I would right. love to live out there because he's my best friend, and I'd, that'd be dope as fuck. <laughs> did you did so you were supposed to hang out with him Friday night, right? Um, he did not make it into town. One of his oh, coworkers had a family issue come up. And he, had to, he had to stay and cover down for work. No fun. No, it's not. It's le- well, it's less fun. I would say. I still have my my other brother, who's a, a local deputy here. So to be clear, he's he started out as a paramedic, and he took a job as a deputy because there weren't any good paying paramedic jobs, except unless right. you were on the rescue team with the the county sheriff. So he got on hoping for a bid with that, and he's he's getting there. But he said. He said if they got, he said, he told me the other day that if they got rid of the rescue division, which is essentially being a cop with a giant med bag in the back and you're, you're patrolling as kind of an ambulance. Right. Because, because the ambulances don't patrol and he's a county sheriff, which means he's got a lot of rural land where there's no ambulances sitting around. Yeah. So if somebody has a heart attack, you know, 30 minutes out of town, who's there? Who's close? A sheriff. Right. So he, he shows up with the med bag and does the paramedic stuff, and that's what he wants. He said if they were to get rid of rescue tomorrow, you'd never see somebody quit so fast. Right. He's actually a, he's a, he's a libertarian, and he's really not into the idea of writing citations for traffic right. violence yeah. and such. So yeah, let's talk about that. Let's, yeah, because I think he's in our group, right? He is. He hasn't said, I don't think, a single message. A single word. Yeah, no, I don't He hasn't removed himself, so he muted it, but he works weird hours, and he's never on, I mean, he doesn't spend a lot of time on Twitter anyway, so. Yeah, well, but go smart ahead. people don't, but then there's us. I want to talk about, just, I mean, you're in the industry heavily. I mean, like, your your entire livelihood is going to depend on the success of, of this moving forward for you. How, like, are you scared as a business owner trying to help citizens assert their authority to defend themselves? Do you, are you scared of where things are going, the direction things are going as a country? Like, you've got fucking Chipman heading up the ATF now. You've got, uh, what is it? HR 127 is headed to the Senate now. What, what do you see in the future, and, and how do you feel about it? Before that, yes. No, I'm, I'm very terrified for my country, primarily because when I fought for this country, you know, I did my one tour in Afghanistan as a, as a heavy gunner on daily patrols out, out of the wire, and it, I, I had a certain ideal, an idealistic way of looking at my country. Everything was spangled stars and red, white, and blue stripes, and, right. you know, I did the hua hua veteran shit bumper stickers all over the back of my car and all that. And what I realized is I was used. Right. And this whole I'm scared for my country thing isn't just a four-year cycle where it's on and off. It should be a decades-long cycle where I realized these are just different colors of the same team. Right. When when George Bush was president, did Joe Biden not have a job in D.C. anymore? No, he was still a senator. Yeah. The whole time. They're all on the same team. Yes. And it's just a matter of time until they can garner enough control and get the population in line enough where everything doesn't seem so drastic. They're going to take our guns. It might be, you know, 20 years from now, but when they do it, it won't be hard for the people to give them up because they'll be so used to the control and power that's wielded over them. Right. 
Well, I mean, look at look at how they've handled the whole mask situation. In Indiana, the governor on the 6th lifted the mask mandate in Indiana. You still pe- see people willingly in parks, parking lots, restaurants. You see people willingly wearing masks even though they don't have to anymore, which is insane to me. So the amount of control that the state has asserted over people just in a year's time, I think about, you know, every shooting, doesn't matter what kind of shooting is, the guns are the things that are bad. And they're just, they're the propaganda campaign to, to try to condition people. Well, I, I really, I don't need an AR-15. What am I going to use that for? Shooting uh, federal agents. <laughs> the answer is, it is to defend your home. It doesn't matter who it is. It doesn't. Right. It really doesn't matter if it's the ATF or the FBI. I mean, really, they're kind of the same. But also burglars. Um, the answer is, it's a very efficient and easy to use and easy to manipulate weapon system. That's why I start people off. I could take your great grandma. I don't know if she's alive, but even still, I could probably put it in her hands. She'll still hit. You know, hit whatever. Like it'll be fine. That gun is so easy to manipulate and use for most people, even yeah. relative to a, a, a little handgun. Like little handguns hurt worse really to shoot hard. than yeah. big handguns. Yeah. The bigger the gun, the easier it is to shoot. That's the answers. Like I took my wife's new uh, tiny little gun to the range the other day and fired it directly before and directly after I fired my compact, my midsize gun. And then the difference is night and day. They're shooting the same exact bullet. I pulled them out of the same box of Remington UMC that I got. And, I mean, this thing has no mass to it. This itty-bitty little gun, it's cute, and it looks adorable. It would look very nice in, like, a, a Tiffany blue. You know, we won't do that because Taurus fucked that all up. It would look really cute in that because it's a tiny, itty-bitty little gun. It doesn't look like okay. a to shoot. And then you go to shoot it, and it beats the shit out and of you. And your hand is broken by <laughs> You're done. Not, not broken, but your wrist and your muscles and your forearm, the bottom of your forearm are tight and tired yeah. from having to constantly fight that recoil to keep it on target. Right. And it is just not as easy to shoot. The answer is an AR-15 is, you know, a five and a half-ish pound weapon. You can make them lighter. You can make them certainly heavier. Um, but your average, you know, 14.5 or 16-inch AR-15 is about five to six pounds. And that is a whole lot of mass to absorb recoil. Plus, you're you're touching it with four four things: your shoulder, both hands, and your cheek. That's four points of contact with your body. Right. So you're, you're really getting your body in there much more, twice as much more as with a handgun, where you have a kind of a hand and a half because your support hand isn't really touching that much of the gun. Right. So you kind of got a hand and a half versus four whole points of contact, and it's you know the same amount of kinetic energy almost. It's just it yeah. It's really easy to shoot an AR-15, so it's super effective in the home for defense. It can be effective for hunting. The 350 Legend is an AR-15 style weapon, and it's specifically made for hunting deer within 150 yards. Like that's what they made it for. It's literally nice. to skirt the your your cartridge has to have straight walls. It can't go in and taper in at all, or you can't hunt deer with it. So they decided, nice. okay, we'll make a really long straight round and we'll put a big bullet in it. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, it, it can be used for hunting, absolutely. Maybe not in the original configuration, but that will also still work if you put enough bullets on target. You just won't right. have much deer rust. <laughs> yeah, one will not explode me, a deer that gonna happen? Man, it just, I feel so doom and gloom sometimes 
And I get yeah. so discouraged and so frustrated because, you know, I, I'm a strict constitutionalist. I think you probably know that about me. I haven't reached the anarchy level yet, but I just, I, that document, it, it, it puts the on paper the rights that I carry with me for the government to understand these are not to be violated for any citizen in this country. You would think so. No, I know so. They just don't follow the rules. And I feel like right. you have people like police officers and military, and the oath that they take is to uphold the Constitution and defend this country against all enemies, foreign and domestic. I have, like, literally in my mind, I have played over and over again the scenario of going to the DMZ in Washington and trying to walk through that barrier to stand on the grounds of the Capitol. They should escort me and turn their guns against anybody who tries to come remove me because I have the constitutional right to, number one, address Congress, and number two, the freedom of assembly. Like, I have the right to go protest the government right in their fucking front yard. I so agree. The, I, the problem I, is that when we talked earlier about the people becoming acclimated over time to the the, the heat of the water, as it were, imagine mm-hmm. we're the frog. I know that frogs frog. don't really yeah. stay yeah. in boiling water. They won't. But... um. The the issue is that those soldiers are also people. Those soldiers do take that oath. But and and ask you can ask me right now, what's the twenty third amendment? I have no idea what the twenty third amendment is. I don't even know if there is a twenty third amendment. Why? Because even though I took that oath, I didn't study the Constitution. They don't put you through a class and say, Here's what you're signing up for. They say, If you sign this line, you do what we tell you, unless you you know there's a very short disclaimer at the end and says you know, you don't have to follow unlawful orders. Well, what constitutes an unlawful order? Almost everything that is them. said. Yep. <laughs> Almost everything is the answer. Yeah. But if you were to say that in a court martial, you're going to get convicted. You're going to Leavenworth. You're not right. going to have a good time. Because the answer is we have, oh, uh, what's the name? President. Right. And how could it possibly be bad? Yeah. My mind works completely. It's like I'm just very... I'm so literal and I'm so logical. When you want to talk about precedent, there is no precedent to the Constitution. There is no law that can be written. There is no law that can apply to any citizen above the Constitution. So I don't, I don't care. I agree. What? If I was the judge, you'd be, you'd be found not guilty. Unfortunately, the judge is also acclimated to the pot of boiling water. That's the issue. Is it, it's it's not even a legal precedent that has to be set. It's just a precedent. Right. If the people have accepted this, generally speaking, that's what's going to fly. That is the new normal, as it were. And then it happens thousands of times every year, year after year, for a couple decades. And then we end up in 2021, where they're going to ban a piece of plastic because it makes a weapon into a assault we- a assault weapon, which is a very gray definition because it isn't a definition. <laughs> well, right I don't know if you ever yeah. saw, did you see the video of the guy who carries like, he's like, if I shoot you with this gun, it automatically becomes an assault rifle. And then he holds up the golf club and he goes, if I hit you with this nine iron, it automatically becomes an assault nine iron. <laughs> exactly. No, it, it, 
it, it stems entirely from a very old definition, the idea of which if you're clearing a building through after uh, after the advent of automatic weapons having been created, you know, right around the 40s, the 30s, late 30s, automatic rifles became the thing, uh, fully automatic, like with the Sturmgewehr 44 and the MG 34 and 42 by Germany, along with the Tommy gun by America and the bar, you know, the Browning automatic rifle, all these designs came out where automatic weapons were available. But the big one was the Sturmgewehr 44 used by the German, the Nazis. Right. And it was kind of the predecessor to the AK-47. Well, they started calling them assault rifles because what you can do with them is rather than taking semi-automatics or bolt-action rifles into a building to deal with people who you also know have semi-automatics or bolt-action rifles, you can take in something where you just hold down the trigger and clear out the entire building in a matter of seconds. You are assaulting that objective. That's what assault rifle literally means. Is it good for assaulting a and then the ATS said, well, we have to define it somehow. So they did. And the issue is that they, uh, they the AR-15 being so modular with the trigger in one side and then all the parts that actually make it go boom on the other end, you can buy almost all the parts you need to make a cartridge go off without without any background check, the entire right. upper and everything that goes in it. But the lower is the trigger. And so they had to define something as the firearm, and that's why you can buy lowers, and you've just bought a firearm even though it can't do shit. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just, it's this whole weird gray area where it's defined by the ATF, but then states will go like California and define assault weapons. But then New Jersey will define assault weapons differently. And it's Well, it's, it'll be interesting to see weird... like with the new um, quote unquote executive action that Biden came out with last week, uh, where he's directing the Department of Justice to in the next, what is it, 30 to 60 days to ascertain like what falls under these particular categories and what are the consequences going to be for that and blah, blah, blah. But I think one of the scariest parts of his executive action, I'm not going to call it an order because he didn't sign anything for it, but the directives to the states for red flag laws. Mm -hmm. And we're going to tell you what is the general idea, right? We're going to normalize the idea of a red flag law. You may not pass it this decade. But there will be a normalized definition of what is a good red flag law basis, and you can start with that and adjust it. That's what they're putting out. They're putting out guidelines. And the the point behind the federal government putting out guidelines to the state is that they can't tell the state what to do. They they literally can't have the state enact laws for them. If they needed to be a law, they would just make it a law. You can't make the Senate do it because it would never pass in the Senate and the, the House of Representatives, though that one is more likely. But it would never pass through the Senate. It would be vetoed and it would be filibustered and all these things. It, it would never pass. Um, right. They couldn't get a red flag through nationally because it would be such a large vocal conversation. So there's well, I mean, guidelines to the states because if states do it, it's much quieter. And then yeah. you get a slow majority where over time more and more states become red flag states. Right. Well, and so I had this conversation, I think, with Justin Nazaroff whenever I had him on. I don't mm-hmm. think I talked to Uncle Zoe about it, but... I think that we should start seeing, and I mean this literally, we need to start seeing states call themselves sanctuary states. And we need to start seeing people, but you want, you want segregation, you're about to get it. Like secession, whatever we have to do. I think the steps towards that are being taken. 
Tennessee recently um, put forth constitutional carry. The governor just signed it into law the other day. Iowa, also my state, just passed it last week. The governor signed it. Yeah, Indiana's um, got so it on it, their it, Senate table. They refused to fund it. We're getting up there. We're getting – we're now past – We're at 22 20 states, states, I think? It, it was 20 with Maybe Tennessee. Maybe it's 20. Maybe you're right. Because it was 18 before Iowa did it, then Iowa did it, then Tennessee did it. Now Texas is looking at doing it, which is great, I heard, uh, just last night. And that'll make 21. If we can get a majority to, to do constitutional carry, then maybe we could pose it as a, you know, a portion of federal legislation. Right. And you no longer need a permit in any state because the state can't override that. We're, we're just going to say you can get your federal permit right. and then you can carry it wherever or you can, you can carry anywhere except, you know, state owned locations like state parks and state buildings. And then you're good to go anyway. Or whatever. Exactly. Well, just like you can't walk into a federal right. courthouse in Cedar Rapids yeah. with a gun. You just can't because it's federal property. And that's one thing I love about my state. We don't have any, any federal state parks. We have no national parks. The amount of land owned by the uh, federal government in Iowa is minuscule. There's a couple of federal courthouses and buildings. That's awesome. Yeah. We don't have vast swaths of land owned by the government. It's lovely. Um, <laughs> and for a while, I was very concerned, but we did manage to push the constitutional carry. They're also removing a whole section where um, new organizations used to have to go through this whole set of hoops. They were all on fire. All of the hoops were on fire. You had to jump through all these damn hoops to get certified as an organization to then join the legislation. And they're just going to make it easier. You, you have to, you know, submit your stuff to the Iowa Department of Public Safety, and then we will look at it. And if you're good, we'll certify you as being able to certify for permits, which will become less of a popular thing to do because you right. don't need one in the state. But you do need one if you go to Nebraska, you know, right. and you want to carry it there. You still need a, a permit from your home state. So they still have them. Hmm. That's kind of cool. Yeah. No, so they all the states that have constitutional carry also issue permits. They just you're not required to have one inside the state for when you go outside the state. Right. Um, I want you to plug. Uh, do you have any training courses coming up that people can sign up for? Where can right I, I go? One, sure. I only have one scheduled right now, and I'm still working on my website, getting it back up after the whole fiasco with the company I hired to do it. Um, okay. But right now I only have one course scheduled, and it's the 24th of April here in eastern Iowa in Lynn County. We're going to do an AR class and we're going to do a handgun class. They're both kind of basic entry-level classes. But okay. if I see that you're, you know, not an entry-level shooter, I'm going to step it up. Because mm -hmm. I'm taking – the shooting portion is going to be two students at a time on their own targets shooting and stuff. If I cool. see that you're, you know, a pretty advanced shooter, I'll, I'll push you. That's fine. I have no problem doing that because there's only two people shooting at any given time. And um, – To register, you can search for classes in my area, in the Cedar Rapids, Iowa area. Uh, on the USCCA website, which I believe is concealedcarry.org. Uh, I think if you type in uscca.com, it'll redirect you to their website too. But you just okay. going to go to training and search for a class. So find the search for class function. It's super easy. And that's where I could sign up too if I wanted to come? Correct. That is exactly where to sign up. That's the awesome. link I would send you if you asked to sign up. The other and option then... is find me on Twitter and send me a direct message. I, I check my messages every day for requests. Thank you so much for coming on, Joel. I'm really excited that we got to talk. I'll probably have you on again. That's what I told Zoe, too. Um, I, I'd like to start doing more. I think I'm going to do some exclusive content that includes video. So maybe um, we are at the range, quote, unquote, together, and and you show some stuff that way, and, and we can go in that direction, too. 
Absolutely. Even if I can't do it from the range because uh, my ranges are kind of rural, there is no internet connection. I can try and do it on the phone, but it'll be hard. But uh, an easier thing to do would be to, you know, use my blue gun, which isn't blue, it's bright yellow. But yeah, I'd be I'd be happy to show some <laughs> stuff on video and do all that. Awesome. We can, we can make that happen. Okay. All right, love. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure talking to you, Heather. It was a pleasure talking to you, too. You take care and have a good night. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you'd like to be notified whenever we have another episode come up, please subscribe. We are available on Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen. Please make it a great day in America. This is the country where few people leave, too many people want to enter, and dead people still vote. Take care. I know not what course others may take, but as for me, give me liberty or give me death!